Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the View from the Booth podcast. I am still your host, Mo Stewart, and I do owe you all an apology. Um, when I started this, I was originally going to be doing it in regular intervals, and life has kind of got in the way of that. But fear not, we are working away. When I say we, I mean me, uh, behind the scenes to bring you some fantastic content, and we've got a few crackers lined up. And we start with one of those exactly today. I've got a man in front of me who's known by many different monikers, by many <laughs> different people. Uh, he's as likely to have a guitar in his hands as a double-ended dildo these days. Uh, the man that I call Chris Mack, the man that most people call Chris Mack, Chris Macintosh. welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Mo. Thanks for having me. That is um, such an accurate description. <laughs> and like, yeah, no one's ever really described me like that. But yeah, he's just as likely to have a guitar in his hand than he is a double-ended dildo. And it's absolutely true. I mean, there are Facebook pa- pictures to prove it. Yeah, <laughs> I, know. I know. Sometimes I worry that like, you know, when my kids grow up and they're like, you know, what what was dad? What was dad all about? And then, you know, the Instagram feed's going to be there for them to, to look through and and I don't think they'll have a clue. No. You know, when they get to it, they go, I still don't know. I still don't know what he did. Well, I think music will always be a part of it. And to be honest, I imagine by that point, there will be a massive part of their lives anyway, whether they like it or not. Yeah. But that's always what I think about when I think of you. I was trying to think before we started the show, when I first met you, I don't remember the first official meeting, but I remember something vividly, seeing what I think was at that point going to be the last ever 28 costume show. No way. In was Lovato. that? Yeah, uh, was it Lovato? Well, the, well, I remember seeing you, I remember seeing you in a very small room, and then I remember seeing you at, like, in a massive, bed, like, on a massive stage. Was it, like, a pier head or something like we that? Done, we done a pier head gig when, um, what was it? It was, like, the, was the, it was what was the Beatles Festival? Yeah. Or the Matthew Street Festival, it but they changed what, it up, and it was down by the pier head. That was it. Um, and they had Janice Long introducing all the bands on the stage, and we were one of them. And I think that was 28 Costumes, and that was that was 28 Costumes kind of, like, in our peak, you know, we were, yeah. we were dead young, but like we'd been in a, in a band for long enough to, to be good at it. We weren't like just starting out. And I remember that day really vividly. I think it was like, because it was it was Capital of Culture Year. Yes, it was. So it was that 2007 or 2008? 2008. 2008. So the, and like, it was definitely at that point the biggest crowd that we'd ever played in front of. And I remember Tony from the Zanzibar, who's like, you know, yeah. I'm sure everyone knows who, who Tony from the Zanzibar is. God bless him. Um, Obviously, he was still around then, <clears throat> and I was really nervous just before we went on, and um, and, and I had to go to the toilet, you know, like we call it pre uh, pre match poo or whatever, like. But I was like, we're gonna be on, we need to be on stage in thirty seconds, and I went. Tony was like uh, stage managing, and he came over and went, right, lads, yeah, you're, you're gonna be up now in thirty seconds. So get yourselves ready. And I was like, Tony, man, I need to go for a shit. Uh, I, I, what do we do? And he went, get yourself in that toilet, have the fucking big shit, and go and have the biggest, the best gig of your life. Or something. <laughs> it was like, you know, when I think about it now, that's all I can take away from that day is Tony from the Zanzibar telling me to go and have a brilliant shit and then have a brilliant gig. Um, and I guess that kind of sums them up a bit, doesn't well, it? Well, yeah, it does. And uh, it was exactly what you probably need to hear, right? Yeah, that definitely. And it did. They had a really nice time in the toilet and a really nice time on stage as well. I mean, my memory of that gig was exactly what I said before like the f- memory of thinking, I saw these in a tiny room not long ago and yeah. now they're playing. It was this huge. The crowd thing. was huge, wasn't it? Was. It? it was like three or four thousand people, yeah. Um, it was, And it was a lovely sunny day. And I remember. I remember, oh, I was, I, what, I mean, what can we say on this podcast? Oh, anything, absolutely anything. Uh, so I remember going backstage after the gig and, um, you know, 
this was like it was like an official council organised gig. So this was a you know very naughty. But I remember what someone in the band like cracked open a bag of something, and I had my head bent over, you know. And then I looked up. It was like a porter cabin dressing room, and my my mum was there, oh. just like waving. <laughs> and I'm, I'm still to this day not sure. If she has any idea what I was doing, or whether she thought I was like, you know, pick, looking really closely at something on the table, pouring or over the notes, just pouring really <laughs> intensely. I forgot my glasses; really need to get really close. Um, and I just kind of went, "Oh my god, my, hi, mom, you all right?" And I was like, "Go, go away! I'll be, I'll be, I'll be round." And you know, your head just goes. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's another another great memory from that day. Well, I guess we can't tell her to listen to the show now. To I was see. thinking about this on the way down, to be honest. <laughs> Because obviously I'm going to, you know, share it on, on my social media things and stuff. So I was like, I, you know, what is the point of going on a podcast like this to tell stories if, if you can't really, you know, if, you, if you're going to kind of like, um, what, censor yourself? Yeah. It's, you know, it needs to be like the real deal. But then I was like, yeah, but like, my mum's going to be listening, my mum's going to be listening, possibly my aunties. But something popped up on Facebook the other day. Sorry, I'm, I'm just going I'll off on one now. This has nothing to do with DJing or playing music. And it was like, I've been recently getting really horrified by Facebook memories, you know, the way it comes up with Facebook memories. Mm. And the older I get, you know, the further back they're going, and it's like 2007 or eight, I think it was. And like, some of them are just plain embarrassing, and some of them I'm just like, what the fuck were you thinking, man? One of them said, you know, because it's it was Halloween recently, it said, trick or treat, or smell my dick. <laughs> and I was I like, mean, I was friends with me mum and me whole family. I was gonna say, to be fair, I think they probably know who you are by now. Yeah, you'd think so, you'd think so. And then the next day, the the, 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 the uh, Facebook memory was, trick or treat or smell my dick, lost me 25 uh, friends yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but didn't go through to see anywhere, so yeah. Jesus. Uh, you live and learn. So <laughs> let, let's bring it back to the music then. Yeah. Um, so DJing for you, wise. That did start with liquidation. That I started believe. with liquidation. Yeah, um, yeah. I was, I was. I used to go to liquidation. Um, I just, you know, as a punter, it was like I'd never been to anywhere. Like it was the first time that I'd found a club that I really, really felt at home in. Because yeah. I was listening to your podcast earlier. I was listening to the one with Steve Holland. Um, and you know, back back then, it was probably like I'm guessing like 2003 or something. Or the, there was nowhere really like that in Liverpool. No. I mean, now you go into bars and it's like, you know, indie stuff's pretty mainstream and, you know, um, it's not that unusual to go into a bar and to hear like a dance floor packed full of like people dancing to Blondie or Talking Heads or something. But back then it really wasn't like that. It was like, you know, it was like chart music or like dance music or, you know, it, it, it was, and you had to wear shoes and a shirt <laughs> to get in. You know, it was just weird. It wasn't yeah. like, it wasn't like I'm going out and I'm going to, be who I am and I'm going to have a really good time. It was like, you just go out just to get out and get pissed and, you know, it really didn't didn't matter where you were. But when I first went to Lobato, it was on Duke Street, it was liquidation. Um, and a mate of mine sold it to me. He was like, there's dance floors of people just like dancing to Joy Division yeah. and, and Blondie and Talking Heads and The Clash. And like, you can just wear whatever you fucking want and it's brilliant, no one fights. And it, and I was just like, what? No way, this is, sounds amazing. I was like, maybe just turned 18 or maybe like towards late 17. Uh, and when we got there, it was right and it was brilliant. But it was like a proper nightclub. It was like, you know, because now you go into a bar and it's just a bar and there's, yeah. you know, like, like you say, a mini dance floor with like a little bit of a vibe going on. But this was like, 
fucking nightclub. There was a dance floor. You could lose there was a yourself seating in area. It. There was like the bar was chocker. You made your way to the dance floor and you danced yeah. on the dance floor. And there was lights. There was strobes and like you know. Um, I always remember like when when Jill to play uh, any pulp song, it'd have like the pink and blue neon. Uh, you know, neon lights, tube yeah, yeah, lights yeah, on the yeah. roof, just to make it feel a bit pulpy, and I loved it. Uh, so yeah, after a, a couple of years of um, of going to Labato pretty religiously every Saturday night, um, you know, kind of got to know Jules because I'd, 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 you know, would always be requesting songs, songs that he was probably going to end up playing regardless. <laughs> Ten minutes later, um, and then one day he called me and said, "Listen, if you fancy some work, I need someone to go flyering." through the week, you know, because all the students are coming back. And back then it was like, it, it wasn't so much social media, I don't think, you know, maybe MySpace or something. Street teams. But it was street teams. It was flyering. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I'd go around uh, town on a Saturday afternoon or go to like a gig if there was a big gig on at the Mountford Hall, like an enemy tour or something like that, the hives. And then we'd stand outside before um, and then afterwards as well as people yeah. were coming out. And, and the flyers... I always remember the flyers for liquidation. Um, was, they were so good. I mean, I think Jules designed them all himself. Um, like there was the quite iconic kind of pop kids ones, which um, I don't know if you Google it, you'll, yeah, you'll see I them. Yeah, I remember what you mean. There was one that really stood out to me, and it was amazing. And it was just it was when um, Hey Ya was out, and it was obviously just a massive kind of crossover hit. Yeah, it was yeah, like cool yeah. enough to play at liquidation, but it was also like on Radio One all the time as well. Um, and it was a Polaroid picture, just with liquidation, <laughs> and it was like you know, shake it like yeah, a Polaroid yeah. picture. Amazing. It really stands out for me. Um, so yeah, I started DJ, I started flyering for Jules. I think I'd done that for like a year, and then um, one day he phoned me up on a Saturday afternoon, and he was like, "Listen, um, one of the guys who's, who's normally DJs with me has dropped out. He can't make it. And do you fancy coming to like help me out in the DJ booth?" And I was like. <gasps> <laughs> I was dead young and I was like, wow, I'm like properly graduating from the dance floor into the DJ booth and just it felt like the coolest, yeah, the coolest thing ever. Um and like, you know, it was it was what was pretty much just um just getting his his red stripes from the bar, to be honest, to, for a while and like, you know, hitting strobe right when he goes strobe. It was normally through on um CSS. Let's listen let's oh, yeah, the death yeah. from above. Dun, 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 and then he hit the strobe. Um, but you know, I, I learned how to DJ from watching Jules. Jules, um, I think Jules, by his own admission, technically wasn't like you know Carl Cox style DJ or anything. Right. But it was just the songs that he was playing, um, and you know the, his taste in music really kind of trickled down to me. Um, and although I knew a lot of the songs that he was playing at Liquidation, there was a lot that I didn't know. And I think, that, and I'm not sure that how much that happens these days. I, I don't know because obviously I'm a lot older and I know loads of songs. But there was stuff that he was playing that I'd be like, "What? What the fuck was that?" Yeah, yeah And yeah. like you know, there was no Shazam or anything, so you'd have a look at the record and find out, and then go home and listen to it. Um, That's great as well because you actually could look at the record. Yeah, with your hands and fold and yeah. like look at the folder and stuff. Because I remember back then, like back on the dance floor, if you if that happened. You would have to run the gauntlet of like, am I going to go and ask the DJ? Is yeah. he going to tell me to fuck off? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and me and Jules did do that quite a bit. To yeah. be honest, like, yeah. <laughs> I think the more drunk we got, like it was more like a fuck off. Um, it was kind of like anarchic, you know, punk spirit kind of thing. Um, but then, eventually, after a while, you know, this is literally I'm going through like minuscule detail how I, how I got into DJ. And Jules would be like, I need a piss. 
I'll yeah. I'm only going out the back, but there's the button. I've lined it up, I've queued it up. All you got to do is press play. If I'm not back, and I would be like, you know, I'd go to pieces and I wouldn't enjoy it. I'd just stare at the play button mm. non stop without moving, looking and just dreading in case it didn't work or something. He wasn't back and I didn't have a clue. I could tell you for now that Jules was in as much angst as you were <laughs> yeah. at that moment because yeah, yeah, I had yeah. done that. 100%. There's been yeah, plenty yeah, of times yeah. when I've thought, nope, I'm going to have to go to the toilet. I can't. And it's been a mad crowd in front of me. And yeah. It's like I've had to pick someone to yeah. be my surrogate yeah. just for three minutes. And a lot of time it's like, look. I know how long I've got left on this song. Yeah. I will be I back. I will be back. However, you don't know what's going to happen between yeah. here and the toilet. Yeah. And there's been a couple of times when I've been standing at the urinal and suddenly there's been silence. And yeah. I feel like, oh, oh that is When you're halfway through. <laughs> yeah. And you can hear everyone, boo. Yeah. And it's like, fuck. I have no idea what the fuck they've done. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, being in there must have been, like you say, when you're learning through osmosis, all that kind of stuff, you're not even realising. But my first memories of liquidation, because I came to Liverpool in like 2004, so that was around the time it was just coming. And like, yeah. to be honest, I was kind of lucky. Like, my hometown doesn't have very much going for it at all. But we did have indie clubs. Like, yeah, I had yeah. to kind of get on a train to go to one. But from, like, 13, 14, when me and my mates started going out, sorry, Dad. Um, <laughs> it's all right, he's not listening. Uh, <laughs> um, that was when we first started getting into it, and there was always somewhere for us to go. So when I moved here, I was like, the city of music, there yeah. must be loads of places. And there was the crazy house. That was all I was told about. There was about. the crazy house, yeah. The crazy house was... It, a thing in itself and it was enjoyable but it didn't quite hit the spot same for me it was a bit too heavy a bit too kind of goffy a bit too I don't know crusty's not the word but it was it wasn't it wasn't quite it like you know it was yeah. like it wasn't quite cool enough I think you know probably I, I wouldn't have said that back then but looking now I'm like it I wasn't, mean, that it wasn't, wasn't a, cool enough yeah but that's the thing when you're that age cool is important but yeah. you don't verbalise it you just yeah, internalise exactly. it very yeah, much yeah, no, yeah. I know what you mean and like to be fair our old club back in Kent Subsonics had a room that was like the crazy house but then it had a room that was like liquidation so when yeah. I found liquidation I was like oh okay yeah. this completes the circle yeah. and so then yeah I, I lost so so many nights in that place oh god yes same on so many mornings as well you know the next day because very often like you know Jules only lived over the road <clears throat> right on Duke Street so you know we'd been working <laughs> quotation marks we'd been working hard all night and after the night was finished we you know we'd need to we need to decompress of course so you know very often we'd go back to Jules's and you know very often the, the sun would come up and it would be like nine in the morning or whatever and thankfully those days are over now jeez um, but yeah, you know, it was yeah, it was um, it was a heady time. Yeah, so so many great memories. And the other thing about that, like going back to what you were saying about the original uh, desire to go there because of the music that was being played there that wasn't being played anywhere else. And when you have somewhere like that that's like an oasis within everywhere else, you become so almost protective of it. And yeah. everyone I speak to now about liquidation kind of speaks to it in like reverent terms. Yeah, like like yeah. it was like a, such an important part of their growing up. Area. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, people who, who lived in Liverpool around that time and, and, you know, kind of lived through that do hold it in such high regard because of that. There's so many, I think there'd be so many liquidation babies. Yeah. There must be, you know, I mean, I met my wife at liquidation, but, I've, you know, I'm sure not the only one. There must be so many couples who kind of necked for the first time on the liquidation oh, yeah. dance floor. Um, but, yeah, I think <clears throat> it's a testament to the club. Um, I think it started in 1993 as well, Jules, but it goes all the way back to 93. Jules started it with Danny from Ladytron. 
um, and perhaps someone else, I'm not sure. But it was in Hardy's originally no on, on Harbin Street. Um, and I, I didn't get involved until like, you know, almost 10 years later. But it's, you know, it's crazy to think that it's been going that long. I mean, it's coming up to the 30th anniversary now. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it, it's not the first time it's come back, but it is coming back. It for is coming back. Birthday. Yeah, it's had a few comebacks. It's um because it was in Labato for so long, and then I think Labato got sold, so we scrambled and looked for another home. I think we, I think we went to the Magnet after Labato, and then after the Magnet, we'd done it in the Cabin Club for a bit. Yeah, and then there was a break, and it was kind of staggered a little bit then. Um. And then we've done like the odd one sporadic, like twenty fifth birthday celebration, twenty sixth. You know, no, it's like, <laughs> yeah. But the thirtieth is um, it's it's going to be a big one. I think it's um, Jules has sorted it out. It's in the Flurry, yeah. which I'm really pleased about because I love the Flurry so much as a venue. Um, and obviously, because we're all a little bit older now, it's 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 in the daytime. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that as well. <laughs> like I must admit, when I saw the flyer, it said one to eleven. Yeah. I did do a double take. It's like. Wait, one to eleven? Yeah, not yeah. eleven to one. No, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, no, it was starting at one. Um, just so people, because you know, people that are, are older, it's you know, with people, the people who went to liquidation went in, went from that famous kind of like indie sleazy era or whatever yeah. you want to call it, are all like kind of pushing forty or in the forties now. So it kind of made sense to look to doing a daytime thing so people can be in bed for midnight. You know what? That does actually make sense because the problem I find because I am in that very much in that era. And whenever my friends get together to try and do one of those throwbacks, there's always at least one or two of the group who can't hit it quite like they used to. Yeah. And yeah. they don't want to hear that until they feel it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, then yeah. Suddenly until they, it's too late. Yeah, <laughs> then suddenly they become a problem for the group. So, yeah, this is probably wise. But going back to the original days now, um, so from the moments where you were just kind of like winging it, dipping in here and there from Jaws, mm. how long did it take from doing that to becoming like a regular every week DJ? I think the first step was um, very possibly, it's hard to put a pinpoint on it, to be honest, because, it, you know, without sounding, I mean, it's all a bit, a bit hazy, my memory from around that time, for obvious reasons. But yeah. I think Jules would have been like, listen, I can't make it next Saturday, you know, and I'd worked there that long that maybe some of the other kind of assistant DJs or whatever you want to call call them, you know, would kind of stop doing it so much. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of made very much kind of like right underneath Jules, like, like you know, his, his right-hand man or whatever. Um, and I think it was that. It was like, listen, I'm going away and I need you to, you know, are you going to be all right? And I think I was like, fuck. But, you know, by that point, I was definitely, I was confident I could do it. Yeah. But I still had like, you know, a lot of anxiety dreams that week about Jules coming home the next week and going, so how was it? And I was like, fuck it, I've killed liquidation. <laughs> you know, I, I went to the toilet, I put a song on, where it, it, the, the CD stuck, everyone left, everyone started booing me, everyone left. Oh, just uh, like... But, you know, I think it was it was fine. Uh, I've, all, I've always I've always loved DJing. There's, there's tapes of me from when I was like nine years old, yeah. like talking to the, to, the, to the mic on the cassette recorder and then playing a song. Um, and then, like, you know, at family parties, mm. I'd always be the one, like, hijacking the, you know, commandeering the music and and taking over a little bit. So it, although I never really said I, I, I want to be a DJ when I grow up, when I look back now, I'm like, yeah, it was always there. Yeah. You know, there was, the signs were always there. Obviously, we weren't looking. But, yeah, I think it would have been that. It would have been Jules taking a night off and kind of trusting me to uh, steer the ship. 
All you needed was the opportunity. It Just was the opportunity. And grabbed it with both <laughs> by the by the horns. Yeah. And, and then like the fun of obviously going from being with Jules and absorbing his stuff to being like well, this is great, but I can add a little bit of me into yeah. it. And is that? Did you feel like you were starting to take ownership after a while? A little bit, yeah, um, a little bit. But I mean, to be honest, there was so much crossover between my, you know, Jules' taste and my taste, just because of the way we work together. Um, but the first time I, I remember really going off on one, for one of a better phrase, was with twenty eight costumes. We used to do this night. It was like our own club night called the Fake Death Experience. Um, and it was it was brilliant. It was so much fun. It was like in the basement of Heebie-Jeebies. Mm. And like we um, we put on Hot Club de Paris' first gig. Oh, sick. Uh, yeah, that was so good. But that was like the first time that I, um, I, I used to bring like me, all my CDs from when I was a kid in, into the club. And I was started playing stuff like, you know, the Super Mario Bros theme tune. <laughs> but you remember that single? Oh, yes. And the Tetris theme tune. You know, it's like more silly wild card things. Yeah. I'm mixing that in with like the indie standards and the cooler stuff. Uh, and I've, I've always enjoyed that. And I think that's kind of like why I enjoy now doing Bongo's Bingo so I was going to say, that it's, feels it's, like... It's perfect because you can, you know, you can still play really good music, but you get away with playing loads of silly as fuck <laughs> stuff as well, and it's so much fun. Oh, we're coming to that later, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be giving the big build-up. Um, but, so yeah, Liquidation uh, musically <laughs> is very much like one... Well, well, it's not really one style, but it's got a style. It's, it's got, got a, it's got, a, it's got a... Um, what would you say? Like a, you know, like um, what's what's the phrase I'm looking for? An identity, um, you know, that really obscure word, an identity. <laughs> it's got its own identity, and I couldn't put my finger on it. But when new bands come out, me and Jules would all, all, almost always unanimously agree it's not a liquidation band, yeah. even if they were close. I always remember a good a good example was, and we've probably played it since, to be honest. But when it come out, um, Jet, are you going to be my girl? Oh yeah, and you know. On paper, that's a liquidation song. That's a dance floor filler. But we wouldn't go anywhere near it. We wouldn't go anywhere. And you know, the thing about that is that when they came out, they weren't cool. No, they weren't. Like, like there were it. there were people who were really trying to push hard that they were, yeah. but they just absolutely because they came just after like the Strokes and the Hives, who we really liked, and it just seemed a little bit contrived. Mm. It seemed a little bit like. Almost like, I'm not saying it was, but almost like, you know, if a record label wanted to put a band together to tap into that market. that and Because it sounded like Lust for Life as well. I was going to say. And like Last Night and stuff. It was just like. The first time someone pointed out the similarity between that song and Lust for Life, yeah. I was just like, yeah. shit. You know what it's like now? It's like if you fed the, all those songs into AI, it'd probably pump out something <laughs> like, are you going to be my girl? Um and like I think we did end up playing it years like, down the line because it did kind of stand up, you know. It did. It still stands up now. Like you know, people mm. still like it. But at the time, it was such a fine line between being like a liquidation yeah. band and not. And none of I don't. I couldn't. Maybe Jules can like articulate it better and tell you exactly what it is. I couldn't, but I knew what it was. So did you feel like if you got those decisions wrong, the audience would let you know? Like was um, it that kind of place? To be honest, no. It was more about. For me, anyway, just kind of maintaining the identity that Jules had built. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think if we'd have played Jet, are you going to be... I don't think anyone would have been asked. He probably would have fucking loved it, to be honest. <laughs> but it was just like, no, that's not liquidation. Yeah, and yeah. what liquidation was, was kind of like very important. And like, that's, you know, for us, that's why people... I mean, there was one time that... Uh, I mean, fucking, I must have lost my mind. And I must have, you know, 
I've convinced Jules that it was a good idea. Play Call Me Maybe <laughs> at Liquidation. <laughs> and that was, people did start booing. And I mean, it was, fuck, I must have been drunk or something. But because it's, it's, I love the song, it's a banger. Yeah. But it's definitely not a Liquidation song. And I can't remember how I convinced Jules that that it was a good idea. But I played did, it. Did he leave the booth? He's like, you're your Yeah, own he definitely <laughs> must have stood back, arm, arms folded, looking at the records, back turning. <laughs> but yeah, there were people like, you know, like doing the slit throat, you know, just like, oh no, yeah. don't get it off kind of thing. Uh, that was like, yeah, that was one moment I remember. It wasn't one of my finest hours. But I play it now, week in, week out, well, and it goes it. down a storm. I mean, to be fair, I play it. When I used to be in my hotel, I used to play it all the time. Yeah. And, yeah it's a great transition it's great. song. It's yeah. unbelievable. The chorus it's, is amazing. And yeah, if you, yeah, if you don't know that song, you get swept up by it. Anyway. Yeah, and if you exactly, don't know that song, yeah. where the hell have you been? Yeah, yeah. So when you started DJing outside of Liquidation, I'm interested to know, like, was it easier kind of adapting your mind to thinking, well, I haven't got to put those restrictions on it. It can be whatever I want it to be. Yeah, a little bit. That was a learning curve, definitely. Because I, I start, I think, I went from liquidation then to doing my bars and stuff. Um, and there was a guy I met, I'm not sure how I met him actually, but there was a guy called Andy Mackey, probably know. I know him, yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know if he still does it, but back then he used to have like a little roster of DJs. Yeah, I was in that roster. Yeah, same here. Like, so, you know, and he'd pay me by check. He'd like, give me a bar to go and he'd give me like a check for 80 quid, which I always thought was weird because even at that point, it was like, it seemed like a very, like yeah. something that people done 20 years ago. I didn't know anyone who used checks. Um, I never but, questioned him on it either. I never questioned it. It was just took, it, took the envelope, yeah. cash me check. Um, so yeah, it was like bars like uh, Low on Lark Lane, um, which is Love and Rockets now. Um, the Lodge, I think it was, that. the Lodge is still the Lodge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe it was called Negresco or something like that. Yeah. Going back, like really going back. So it was basically like Friday, Saturday night crowds and it was very different to Liquidation. You'd have like just your Lark, general Lark Lane crowd, which is a bit of a mishmash really, isn't it? You've got like people who like music and stuff, but then you've got like prints and you've yeah. got like, you know, the lads people on the shirts and people on dates. So that was a learning curve. It was very much kind of like, you know, playing it by ear, throwing in a bit more kind of chart stuff, but still trying to like use liquidation indie stuff as a core. Yeah. And yeah. then just like kind of like branching out from there. Um <clears throat> And of course, back then it was like I was like going around with like four folders of CDs. <laughs> so you were limited, you know, to what you had as well. Um, which you know seems so mad now because you've basically just got access to every song yeah. in the world, whenever you think of, and you can just go, "I'll play it." Like I mean, I would, I was, as people who listen to this will know, I was still using CDs at the start of 2023, which kind of <laughs> makes me just a weirdo. <laughs> and like the looks of people used to give me is to yeah. say. What? This is what like, are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah literally. Yeah, yeah. What are they? <laughs> what are those shiny discs? <laughs> and and I would kind of just dismiss all of that. But also in the back of my mind, I was thinking, well, this is kind of faintly ridiculous. But I mean, it always felt a little bit ridiculous. So when you were using CD Works, were you one of the people who had the track list of each CD in each little folder and you kept putting yeah. the CD back in the row? You, yeah, you kept I was. it properly yeah, yeah. organised. I was. I'd learned from Jules. That's how Jules did it. So like, I'd, um, I'd, I'd burn off a CD in the week and then I'd handwrite the track list on a bit of paper, I'd cut it up to fit the, 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 the folder and I'd slide it in. And I'd always try and make sure it went back in. And if not, if I was stressing a bit and I'd just throw it back in, then that'd be a job for Monday. Then, you know, go go through it <laughs> and uh, rearrange, reorganise them all. But yeah, it's mad now to think that, like, you know, back then you'd... I mean, now I listen to a song and 
I guess it just comes with experience. I just go, ah, oh, this would be great. And just to use your, your brain and your imagination and the kind of like music library you've got upstairs to go, I know what I want to play next because I can hear it. There's something, it reminded me of that song in this song. But back then it was kind of like just dependent on what you what you had. Yeah. So like he'd listen to the song that you were playing, but then kind of like thumb through everything you had going, oh yeah, that, 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 you know, wouldn't you would you weren't like you, you were limited to what you had. Yeah. And I mean I kind of talked myself into thinking that that was good, that there was a certain spontaneous spontaneity about yeah. that because I was always really anti doing the same thing over and over again. I always yeah. wanted to make sure even to me it always feels new. So yeah. But the reality is, is that there's a much easier way of doing it. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, even now I've always done that. I've never, I've never planned a set. I've never. I might, I might kind of like give myself a pool of songs as a failsafe, you yeah. know, in case I have brain malfunction or I'm just not feeling it. But very often, I, I, I always like to just go in blind and just start with one, see what works, yeah, and then just think of think on my feet. It's the best way, and I think once you've got a, a wealth of musical knowledge, then yeah. you kind of start to do that instinctively. Yeah, and it goes on the crowd as well. You're watching yeah. the crowd. You're seeing if one person got up to Fleetwood Mac, or you know, you, like you were saying on the on that podcast, your very first podcast, it was like you're always watching. Yeah, and it's so true, man. I was like, fucking hell, it's so right. You always, you know, you might have your head down and one eye up a little bit, as, <laughs> yeah. if, as if you're not asked. But you are, you're clocking who likes it, what band t-shirts they're wearing, if there's any clues. Um, yeah, but it's it's nice now having the, you know, the whole of the internet, the whole of music yeah. to choose from. So thinking about the way that your mind works musically and making connections and all that kind of stuff, how much does your other job as an actual musician mm-hmm. feed into that? How much do you think it's helped? Um, I think they kind of go hand in hand, to be honest. I think... Um, yeah, maybe maybe it's like you know if I listen to something and maybe it's like a similar feel or a similar drum beat or something. And I guess just through being in a band, yeah. you kind of do recognise those things a bit more easily, um, or you're just more aware of those things. Especially because you know, recording music is very much different to just listening to music. You know, I don't know, I know maybe it's maybe it's not such the case, but you know, it kind of. Some people say it ruins music for you when you know how it's made. And mm. I, I can see why. I can, it doesn't ruin music for me because it just, it just doesn't. But I can recognise if something's done really well, I'll be like, oh, that was clever. Yeah. You know, or a little production technique or like if it's bass part, the bass line's particularly great and stand out, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be like, that song's great because of the bass line. So I think it does, it does kind of lend itself yeah. to that, like, yeah, just being able to pick up on certain bits. And going, it's a bit like that in this song, or that song feels a little bit like this one. And also, I, I imagine it kind of goes the other way as well. So, like for example, something like dealing with crowds. Mm-hmm. Like I imagine, like DJ experience probably helps you when you're you're doing touring. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's um, it's it's weird one, isn't it? When you, especially in bars and stuff. In when you're DJing in clubs, you, it's not so bad because you tend to be in a booth away. Yeah. But when you're DJing in, cl- in bars and stuff, you very most of the time you're just on a, in a table in the corner of the actual room where everyone, you know, where, where all the other customers are sat. Um, so you, you do you have to like deal with with, with the public on a one to one basis. Yeah. You know, it, it's weird, and they're not like they're not out for a club night. They're out just to get pissed in the pub. And to them, you're just someone in the pub yeah. that they can just chat to. Yeah, they, they weren't expecting to be going up and talking to the DJ, no, but yeah. something you've done has inspired yeah. them into talking it, to Yeah, them. exactly. There was one time in Negresco, I, I remember, and it was 
absolutely awful. It was because um, it, it was on Lark Lane. And like I say, you were in a table in the corner of the room and I had my CDs, you know, my CD wallets are just there as well. So people walking past can just like, you know, I, I could see them and this, this, this woman was like really pissed. And um, she came over and she started like flicking through my CDs. And I was just like, oh, sorry, do you mind not, do you mind leaving them alone? You know, just trying to be as polite as possible. But also I was a bit pissed off. I was like, you know, and then she was like, oh, where's your, where have you got, where's your microphone? And I was like, I, I haven't actually got a microphone. I'm not that type of DJ. Um, you know, I'm not like, it's not like a wedding or anything. I'm just, I'm meant to be anonymous. I'm meant to be here just creating a vibe silently in the yeah, corner, yeah. keeping myself to myself, staying out of trouble. And then she was like, you fucking lying. You've got a microphone, haven't you? And I was like, no, honestly, like, you know, and in my mind, I'm like, why the fuck would I lie to you? Like? <laughs> yeah. And if I did have a microphone, I wouldn't, I mean, you certainly, you know, you're not getting it. And then she was like, oh, I don't want to sing karaoke. And I was like, well, you're going to have to go to a karaoke bar. That's my only solution I can offer you at this stage. And she was like, have you got any Elsie Brooks? <laughs> and I was like, you know, I think I was playing like MGMT at the time or something. I was like, Elkie, I couldn't help it. I was like, Elkie Brooks. I was like, no, I haven't got any fucking Elkie Brooks. And she was like, and she just turned on me. She just like properly went nuts. She just went, you're a fucking twat, you. You're a twat. I'll be waiting for you outside when you fucking finish. And I was like, what? And she was dead scary as well. So I was a little bit like, oh, fuck. Is she going to batter me outside? And like, you know, at the end of the night, um, you know, as I was packing all my stuff away, like I, I, I called a taxi and I had to say to the bouncer, I was like, can you do some favour walk outside? Because this woman's here with a load of her mates and she's fucking waiting for me. Wait, she was actually she was outside there. waiting for me. <laughs> I had to get the bouncer. Just she didn't say anything, but she was there smoking. I was like, "Shit!" And like, um, yeah, I just flagged the taxi and got in. And I don't think she seen me, but I was kind of half expecting <laughs> to get battered by some drunken woman for not having Elkie Brooks or a microphone. See now with the digital age, I could just. Are, are, you, are you downloading Elkie Brooks fucking, with a woman that frightening? Yeah, which one do you want? How many? <laughs> I'll get the karaoke version. I've got a mic. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I, I'm at the stage now where anyone asking me for a microphone is a straight-up red flag. Yeah, because it's oh, like 100%. you don't yeah. go out very often, and therefore you are very dangerous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was one time in liquidation when we done liquidation and heebie-jeebies, um, where someone asked me for a mic. It was a lad. He leaned over and he could see that there was just two CDJs and a mixer, and he was like, "Where's your mic, lad?" I was like, "I haven't got a mic, mate. I'm just DJing." And he went, haven't you got, can't you just like shout it into the CDJ? And I was like, you fucking mental. And I was looking at him to see if he was serious. And he, and he was, he was just being dead serious. Like, I, I was like, what's gone wrong in your life, man, to think that's, that's how it works? You're just screaming to a CDJ and it comes out the PA. Um, I mean, it'd be amazing ago. if it would. I mean, that would be revolutionary if it would. I mean, maybe that's the way, maybe that's something to, for the techniques to look at for the next, uh, the next version. <laughs> Imagine. Talk back button. Oh god. oh god! No, no. Actually, give the giving giving more audience members power is absolutely not. No, what we it goes the other way. Yeah, yes, very much so. Going very much the other way. <laughs> All right, so it's time to go to the complete other end of the scale from liquidation mm -hmm. to bongos bingo. So, I have a bongo story. Uh, a long, long time ago, when I used to DJ in Camper Furnace. Uh, I was trying to start up a club night, an mm -hmm. indie club night, with uh, Stevie Law, which we were going to call All My Friends, which is, you know, oh, yeah. massively original, obviously. <laughs> no, no one's ever called it like that. Um, and we had kind of made a little bit of an agreement with JP. And then two weeks before we were due to start, he came back to me and said, 
well, we're going to have to change the agreement because we're doing this other night called uh, Bingo. Oh, right. Really? And I was like, all right, cool. Well, can we not like do a, a, a same thing? And, and JP was like, it's not your kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, well, surely we can kind of come together. And then, and then I saw it and I was like, Oh wow. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> two, two different worlds. Yeah, and I, I mean, as it ended up, I like, didn't get off the ground, and you, and you're you're playing New York. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I'm not personally playing New York, but yeah, uh, the bingo did start in camp. Well, it did, I think it started in the shipping forecast actually. Mm. But uh, I guess that would have been Johnny moving over yeah. to to. That was the point first. when it came. Yeah, that was the first point it came to camp. Um, I I didn't get involved until. I think it was like spring 2019, so it had already been going four years. Yeah, yeah. By that point, already very well established. Um, already, I think I joined it during the whole Camp and Furnace court case thing. <laughs> so I think I joined right in the middle of that. Um, so by the time I joined, it already moved out, had their own bingo, you know, hall um, in, in in the Balt in what's it called, the Canes Brewery. Yeah, yeah. You know, Canes Brewery Gardens. Um, and yeah, that and then that that's been the last four years of my life. So a whirlwind for the few people out there who have no idea what Bongo's Bingo is. How would you describe it? And I'm very keen to know how you'd describe it because yeah, I've it's, struggled. It's, it is hard. It's so hard to describe because it's unlike anything else. There's no comparison really. Um, so it's a, essentially it's a game of bingo. It's five games of bingo, proper bingo, with really good prizes interspersed with rave rounds, which is basically everyone up on your feet. Everyone's up and down the whole night. A lot of songs have, you know, big banger songs. A lot of, sorry, a lot of numbers have big bangers attached to them, you know, for, so five will play like a cheesy five song yeah. and I encourage everyone to get up. So, you, you know, as well as playing bingo, you're up and down on the benches. Um, yeah, and then, uh, you know, we, we have a couple of breaks people go to the bar, get yourself a nice drink, come back, it's eyes down again. And for the bingo, it's dead serious because the prizes are really yeah, good. Yeah. They're really, really good prizes. I think like the top cash prize on most of my shows is like a grand. So when it comes to the crunch, people, people are deadly silent. Um, and then it does kind of feel like, wow, this is like, you know, being at the old people's bingo and then you'll stick like Cotton Eye Joe on and everyone's <laughs> up again all of a sudden, like, like tops off and glow sticks everywhere. Um so yeah, it's it is it's unlike any other night. It's unlike anything I'd ever DJed before. Um, it was a really frightening experience. Being <laughs> my first one, <laughs> no, I can imagine because yeah. like There's nothing to base it on. You know, obviously, um, it's not really DJing as such, um, but it is a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, and then you know you're, you're a bingo caller, and also you've got to be really charismatic, and it helps if you if you can be as funny as fucking possible. Uh, so there was a lot to kind of take in and a lot to kind of like get my head around. Yeah. Um, but you know, hopefully, I feel like I've got there now in the end. Oh yeah, and it is such a strange thing, like you say, to be used to because it's such a mad world. Like yeah. the I, the first one I went to was actually. Um, Someone had hired Johnny to do a bongo for her wedding, mm-hmm. and she'd also hired me to DJ. So oh, right, it was yeah. kind of like <laughs> yeah. a little bit of oh, what it would have been. That's a little synergy. Then <laughs> yeah. the word, the universe, piecing it back together. But but I went first, so I went in, <laughs> yeah. played like two hours of nice little fun tunes, and then the carnage started. Yeah, I was just like yeah. able to sit back and enjoy it. And I mean, obviously, you say it's not naturally like DJing, mm-hmm. but the music is so important to it. It's, 100%, it yeah. is very much like the USP. Well. Yeah. Apart from that, the double-ended dildos, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. But 
I so I wonder how much you think about the music and what you need for this particular venue as opposed to are you just thinking about I'm entertaining people on a night out? Mm, there is a kind of what you would what would you, what would you call it like a core. You know, there are certain songs that people would expect to get played at Bongo's Bingo. If, if you've been a few times, and we do get quite a lot of, you know, re- returning customers, probably like once every three months, maybe yeah. you come back. And, the, you know, the, you do get, especially for, for songs that have been allocated with numbers, songs paired with numbers, um, like um, Seven, we always play S Club Seven. And if you don't play it, people start shouting for it. <laughs> yeah. So there's definitely songs that, you know, you, that are stalwarts that you have to play. Yeah, yeah. The rest of it is kind of like, you know, I tend to do the same venue. I tend to do leads quite a lot. Um, so I know the crowd really well. But if it's somewhere that I've not done before, I tend to walk around the crowd first. Because we get two hours before the, the actual show starts. Yeah. Most of the time, no one no, no one knows that it's me that's going to be doing, getting up on stage and playing and stuff. So I'll go round and just, I'll have a look at ages and have a look. It's, it's, it's 80% women normally, um, most of the time. Um, but, you know, you can just tell by pe- what people are wearing and stuff, and maybe I'll mix it up a little bit then. Um, and I'll say like 60% of the playlist is probably the same, but I might throw in a few others that I think will go down better tonight, yeah, yeah. looking at the people that are there. Um yeah, so you do, you do kind of have to think about it a little bit, and I want to as well because I don't think I've done it for four years, and it's the same thing that you're doing every week. So you know, you couldn't, you couldn't just play the same stuff every week because no. people would just sort of get bored. Yeah, um, and it is nice to change it up. It's nice for me personally to change it up as you know, instead of listening to the same song, the lads who, who dance and stuff. Um, but it's great because you, you, you know, you can one minute you can have everyone up dancing to like. I don't know, like Faithless or something. And then the next thing you can do, like the, um, you know, the, the Lion King. <laughs> it's just fucking silly. And I, I, lo- I love that, that you can literally do whatever you want. Yeah. By the way, something that someone else pointed out to me and it just reminded me, whenever anyone does that Lion King, they always say Arsene Wenger. I have no idea. Is it not Arsene Wenger? Well, no. Because even my little girl, <laughs> she's four and she walks around the house going, Arsene Wenger. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not going to correct it. I mean, if it, it really is, then he should definitely get some copyright uh, yeah. credits. Did Arsenal ever use that? I don't know. Mad if he didn't, yeah. like. Yeah. See, see, also, Arsenal, I, I also thought about like the, um, the, the Wenger bus. I was like, the Wenger bus. <laughs> did, they, did they not ever use that either? Like, well, the, the Wenger boys must have absolutely begged him to come on yeah. tour with them. Oh, oh, or yeah. just one day. Just once. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would love that. That would be so funny. Coming out in his big coat. Yeah. So, okay. So, I've got a fun question for you. Would you find it harder playing a bongo set at Prime Liquidation? Oh. Or a liquidation set of bongos. Oh, <laughs> wow, what a question! Um, I th- I think it'd be hard to do in a liquidation set of bongos because I mean, how do I say this without <laughs> um, really alienating, offending half the customers? I feel like oh, this is such a hard question to answer. I feel like if I was at liquidation. And we were playing like, you know, the Strokes, Joy Division, the Clash, Smith, the Cribs. And then we played the Venger Bus is coming. I reckon it'd go off. <laughs> I reckon it'd go off. But I reckon if it was, you know, peak bongos and then it dropped like, you know, I, I don't know, an Interpol song 
it would fucking clear the room. 100, 100%, like, 100%. It's just more niche, isn't it? Like, Rosemary. Rosemary. <laughs> <laughs> On your feet. Restores you in life. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would love to see him. Yeah. It wasn't it very I might try it. I do, closest I've got, I do play Not 19 Forever. Yeah. For the number 19. Of course. And it doesn't always work, but, um, you know, it always works in Leeds where I do. Hey, they, so can, you can, they can play Interpol in New York. I know, Just yeah, saying. absolutely, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, okay, so the last question I always ask everybody, well, it's a two-part question. First one, what's your favourite ever gig? The one that comes to mind first. DJing or gig gig? DJing. 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 Oh, see, in my mind, I prepared a gig question. Um, okay. Favourite ever DJ gig? Hmm. Quite a hard one to to answer, to be honest. There was one, there was one that we done with Harm, which I mean, to be honest, when we finish this interview, I'll probably think of like four or five oh, yeah. really obvious <laughs> like, gigs that were far better, and would, uh, one will probably be like, my very obvious favorite one. But we done a gig in Porto with um, with the band that I'm in now called Harm, yeah, yeah, and it kind of came out the blue. Someone basically in Porto, there's like this kind of um, collective. Of like dentists, doctors, um, basically like people with really well-paid jobs, but who fucking love indie music. <laughs> and what they do, they created like a not a not-for-profit company where they all threw in some money at the start, and they just bring bands that are starting to do well and that they love over from wherever they are, so America, England, Germany, wherever, and they. They pay you a really good fee, and they look after you. And they put you one of them owns a hotel, obviously. Of so like, you know they put you up in the hotel. Um, and because we were going to Porto to play a gig, I got in touch with them and I was like, look, if, it, if we're coming over to play a gig, why don't we like turn it into a big party and we'll DJ afterwards? Um, and it was, the, I can't remember what the name of the venue was, but it was a lovely, it was a really beautiful hot day. And we'd played a really amazing gig with Harm. And then we quickly just changed over and 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 set up like the decks and stuff. Yeah. And everyone stuck around. There must have been like maybe a thousand people there. And it was just like one big, massive liquidation. Amazing. And we were like, because we were like on a hike because we played the gig, I think we were drinking wine on stage. We were just jumping up and down. And it wasn't really like, you know, because Harm could be perceived as being like, you know, a super cool band. You know, the music's quite, they sing really quietly and it's not really a band that we like let loose and fucking jump around <laughs> yeah. the stage or anything. But it was nice for me and Jen and Ollie to just like prance around and we were playing like, you know, Depeche Mode and stuff and everyone was giving it beans. Amazing. Um, because that's what it was. I've never really done a gig, a DJ gig where, like you see these days when you look at like Girls Don't Sink and stuff like that. And maybe if, even for yourself in motel, like people are looking at you while you're DJing. And I'd never really had that before. Yeah, but this yeah. felt like, you know, people were there facing us. They weren't just turning around dancing. And it felt like, a, you know, like a rock gig, but we were DJing. Um, I think that's probably my favourite one. But like I say, I'll probably think of about 10 more. When I, on <laughs> oh, no, panel. that's great. Like, that, that's, that's a good enough one, even if it is the only one. And yeah, I have had that experience. Yeah. And it's weird because like, I've done a few festival gigs as well. And that is one of the things about it is, is like that is when people are coming to see you. Yeah, that's and, it. And, yeah. it's like and they, you're not just meant to be anonymous in the corner. Exactly. So and ask for Elkie Brooks. Well, <laughs> 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 I mean, that's something that I'm looking at doing next. Uh, I've never, I've never gone down that road. Um, but I've always been a big fan of like LCD sound system and the Solwax and mm. and that kind of 
you know, kind of indie, Errol Alkin kind of indie dance crossover. Um, so I'm kind of like looking at doing something like that next year just because I've got more time on my hands yeah. now because the kids have gone to school, which just means I've got like six hours a day of fucking doing nothing. Well, you know, technically doing nothing, but obviously I do do things if anyone, if my, yeah. wife, if my wife's listening. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I would I would love to get to that stage and and you know dip my toes in that world a little bit. Amazing. Well, if you do, call me because that is very much my wheelhouse, and I, I kind of am missing a lot of that stuff as well. Yeah. All right. Okay. So final question then. This is your last ever gig, mm-hmm. and it's the last fifteen minutes of your last ever gig. So you got three songs. Oh, last three. Last three. The last three. Okay. One song that's definitely going to be in there. Is madness. It must be love, Ugh. because it just, I, 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 you know, I've done that for years. I, I learned off Jules. Jules is like, I think Madness is Jules' favorite band, um, and when we played it at the end of liquidation, it was like, you know, the lights come on, and it, it just, you know, it, it's just that one of those songs that's kind of like, even if you don't like it, even if you don't like Madness, it's one of them like put your arms around each yeah. other. You know, you know the chorus. How can you argue with the, with the chorus that just says it must be love? So that's definitely in there. Um, okay. Might actually go with Andy Williams, Too Good To Be True. Oh, I don't know. It's hard, this one, because it always depends on the night as well. But yeah, yeah but no, it's not. This is the last one. So, okay. Um, to be honest, uh, yeah, Andy Williams, Too Good To Be True. That would be last. I think that would be last. And then get everyone going, da, da, da. <laughs> um, And then the first one. Fuck, I'm just going to go dead obvious, you know. I'm just going to go with, with Don't Stop Me Now. Hey. There's a reason. Because there's a reason for this. it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I've, I've tried loads of things in the past. You know, I've tried to be clever and I've tried to play things. Like one time at Liquidation, I played Roy Orbison, and it's over. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> no one fucking knew it. Do you know what I mean? And it just really bombed. Because um, that song, I will sing that song at the top of my voice in the car, you know, any any time. Like, I, I love it so much. I love Roy Orbison. But yeah, it, well, I was a bit too pissed and I thought this will be a good idea. It bombed. <laughs> so yeah, definitely play it safe because I want the dance floor to be full until the end. Yes. I don't want people leaving, you know, during the the, the second of the three kind of thing because they want to, you know, get a kebab or whatever or need people to be there at the end. So yeah, I'd go, Queen, don't stop me now. And then I'd go, Madness, must be love. And then finish with a with slowy, slowy yeah. at the end. <laughs> you know what though? That's just a lot of love and yeah. joy. Yeah. And like that's the kind of I don't know, that's a really good representation of you yeah. as a person and probably you as a DJ as well. Just yeah. like the fun of being there and the fun of enjoying and loving music and wanting to spread that with people. Yeah, absolutely. Or even love will tear us apart. Anyway, no, I've, I've said it well, now. I've done, I'm fine. done. I'm done. I mean, Che had about eight. To yeah, be fair. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd probably get too pissed. And then when everyone thinks that Andy Williams is finished, then I'd probably play come back on and be like, ah, one more. And then just do Love Will Tear Us Apart. There you go. That's fine. <laughs> you can have one. I mean, anyone who's been keeping up, we have been doing a, a little playlist on Spotify of all the songs that are mentioned in the episodes. So we'll oh, yeah. sneak all four of those in so you get your extra one as well. Brilliant. Chris, it's been an absolute oh, pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on, Mo. Really enjoyed it. I really, really can't wait to see you. Because uh, I'm, I'm probably going to come down to the Flory yeah. this Saturday. Uh, obviously, 
I'm recording this. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, but mm-hmm. the plan is for this to be out before Saturday. So if you are <laughs> listening, then it will be this Saturday at the Flory from one o'clock to eleven. All your liquidation kits, all the classics, and a lot of old people enjoying their youth. <laughs> yeah. Chris, thanks again. Thanks mate. so much, Mo.